and you and you alone, Father, deliver your message to us. I pray, Lord God, that you bless my preparations, but at the same time, Father, please override it. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, good evening. Once again, it's kind of lazy, right? Lazy afternoon. All right, I'm glad you guys made it here. Um, I'm glad I made it. Uh, I was sick for the past few days, and it, you know, when, uh, when I'm sick with that cold and, and cough, it brings me back to my uh, many years of being sick, and it's never a, a pleasing um, situation, right? And your prayer is always, Lord, heal me, right? Lord, heal me. But at the same time, I know Sunday was fast coming, and, and my prayer was like, Lord, give me the privilege to be able to deliver your message to your people. Because I took the Sunday off before, <laughs> before last. And, uh, um, and it's always a privilege to be used by Him. I don't know if you guys have served the Lord in one way or another, but He gives you that certain feeling of completeness, especially if you love Him, which brings us to our title. Uh, we're still in our God's Love series, and I titled, and entitled our message, Show Me You Love Me. Right? For, for the sappy people like me, you know, those, those romantic comedies that you guys love to watch, that we love to watch, right? Other than the songs. I know last week we tackled a couple of songs, love songs. But tonight we're going to, I'm going to use movies as illustrations. And, uh, you know, for a Christian, there's always two movies, right? The movie that the world's presenting you. But as a Christian, you're, you're thinking, well, oh, that's God loving me before, you know, when and you watch Beauty and the Beast. Have you related yourself to be the beast? <laughs> yes, you before Christ, right? Oh, that was me before Christ. And then when he became Prince Charming, you're like, maybe. <laughs> right? But there's always two movies for a Christian. Right? So, but please turn your Bibles to uh, Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Or, turn, or type it in in your Bible apps. Now, if you don't have it, um, it's okay. You can listen to me. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Hosea's reconciliation with his wife. Verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go show, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turned to other gods and loved the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lithic of barley. And I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. Tonight, we're, that being read, tonight we have three points. The three points tonight is God is love. The proof of God's love in the third point is always, do we love Him? So again, on the verse that we just read, which is here. This is, if you guys know the story of Hosea, he's a priest, a faithful servant of the Lord. And he was commanded by God to marry a prostitute. A prostitute, which is the lowest of the low, right? Other than the shepherds. A, a person that was selling herself for sex, to be paid by money. And here's a, a man of God that is well-respected and all of a sudden associates himself 
with this person, Gomer, the wife. And she constantly goes back to that lifestyle over and over and over again to a point that she was overused that her, she's on the 50% discount. She's on the sale rack, right? And if you go in the store, that's what I usually do. I go to Banana Rep or, or whatever store. I go to the back where the sale rack is. I don't worry about the, the expensive ones here. So that's Gomer. Gomer is now 50% off. She's 50% because she's so worn out. She's so used, a lot of mileage. And then God still tells Hosea, go and get her back. Go and get her back. Just like I, it's an example of my love to you. Now for us people, us Christians, we know that very, very many times to our shame, we act like Gomer. And praise God that God's love never dies. You agree? Because it only takes one thing. For our love to be swayed, I love God Sunday, and then Monday we see Prince Charming, right? And he's not a Christian, and he's everything we've been praying for, except he's not a Christian. Now, it's funny because I was at the youth meeting, the youth meeting last Monday, and a couple of answers there were, I kind of pushed them on, what will you give away for God in exchange of God's love? And a couple of people said, for a girl. They said, yeah, you know what? I'll probably give up God for a girl. And that's an honest answer. That's an honest answer. Don't ask me who, but it's an honest answer. I think some of us here, most of us, if we're all going to be honest, there has been one thing that we have given God for. It's either a relationship, an illicit relationship, or money, right? Or something else. Because anything else that comes before God is becomes an idol right so most of us have done that sometimes it's even for that relationship that we want to keep relationship like our, our family sometimes our obsession to keep our family together can be an idol so tonight again our, our i entitled our message show me your love and i know the world knows this and you guys are probably taking the test right how to speak your spouse's love language I'm glad Anna's not here tonight, so she won't have any ideas about this. No, but um, there's five ways. There's five languages, love languages. Uh, one is words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time, or acts of service. So I know there's, um, Mikey told me that there's a website that you can take the test and you'll find out what your love language is. So have at it if you want. But um which one are you, right? If you look at this language, which one are you? But if you study this, God has given us all these things in this list. He has given us physical touch. How do you say? With the loved ones that He has given you. Because everything comes from God, right? Your wife, your husband, your children. That's God's love, physical touch to you. Words of affirmation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Right? There's so much more. Receiving gifts. What have you not received from God? If everything comes from God, then praise God. Quality time. God is always asking for you to spend time with Him. As a matter of fact, we're the ones who's, not, who's missing out. 
We're the ones who wants to not spend time with Him while He constantly pursues us and asks us to have time with Him. Acts of service. How about the cross? Is that enough for you? But I get it. We're so... We're, we're only human, right? We're only human. We want the here and now. We can only see the here and now. We want the satisfaction now, correct? We want the satisfaction now. I'm hungry. I want to eat. Give me the bowl of soup. Who cares about my birthright, says Esau. Most of us have acted that way. You know, I don't know if you guys are big with gifts. You know, I don't know if you have a, a wife or a husband that's really good in, in giving gifts. If you think receiving gifts, expensive gifts, is, is your language, look at this. Uh, look how expensive that number 10 is. $8 million. This is the top, top 10 most expensive diamonds in the world. Or you remember that commercial? They said, he went to Jared, so he must really love me. <laughs> Oh my gosh, if, 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 we, if we are to communicate our love to our, our spouse, Anna Lou will probably be on the 99th of this list because I can't spend that much. I don't have that money. But some people do do this, right? How about this? A husband was caught cheating. A husband was caught cheating. And he was exposed. The wife found out. Now his best solution was this. He bought a five-carat diamond ring for his wife. And then he tells her, Sweetie, I'm sorry, but I love you. Now, is that diamond ring an expression of love? Some of you might say, yes, yes. <laughs> five-carat, yes. <laughs> he really loves me. But you know, after being caught in... in <laughs> after being found out that you were cheating, I think that's more of a bribe. Right? It's a bribe. Most of us, with our lives with Christ, we think because we do something in return for Him, that He, he should be okay. God should be okay because I attended church last Sunday. It doesn't matter if I'm sinning against Him. It doesn't matter if my heart belongs to someone else. It doesn't matter. I give my tithes. I give my offering. It shouldn't matter. I sing. I sing in the music team. It shouldn't matter if I'm disobedient to Him. It shouldn't matter that I'm not honoring my parents. I'm reading my Bible. This shouldn't matter. Now, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about real love for God. Now, it's not really the actions of what the things that we do or do not do, but it's the purpose of our heart. It's the intention of the heart. I know the world has, has polluted us with, with ways how to what love means. And we have been confused sometimes love is really is really lust right it's not love now what is love i know brother vince tackled this but i want to share this again um next slide there you go in first corinthians 13 if you've been into christian marriages or weddings you know that this has always been read in their service and look at Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, 
always trust, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy, prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection on a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. As these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. If we say that all of this is love, can you honestly say that you really know how to love your spouse? Can you honestly say that you're loving your children the way the Bible describes love? Or more so, can you honestly say that you love God the way the Bible describes what love is? I know we're going to wrap up God's, the God's love series, but I know that for me, as I continue to study it about God's love, is there's so much more to it. And it's, it's, it's the, the one thing that really amazes me is the fact that why in the world that God loves me? How could he? Does he not know, and he does know, the things that I have done and sometimes continue to do? But then look at that. He keeps no record of wrongs. But then what, what do we do with our spouse? We torture them, right? We torture them. The Filipinas are smiling and laughing because the Filipinas love to do this. <laughs> and Filipinos. <laughs> and how about the dishonoring part? Are we patient with our spouse? Or are we impatient because they're, they just keep annoying us, right? Why do they keep telling us to do the chores while they were home the whole time? <laughs> what, were we, what were they doing? And it says... It does not envy. Do we really love our brothers and sisters to a point that we don't envy their success? Now, for unfortunately, for Filipinos, we have this crab mentality. Now, we don't like any other Filipino being successful. But rather, we love it when they're failing. Right? The crab mentality. Now, if we're Christians, we're supposed to erase all of that. I don't care if we're Filipinos. We're supposed to be Christians first before we're Filipinos or Americans. Now, having said all this, I know I, I, I wanted to read this last week and I forgot. But listen to this, the lyrics of this, this song, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. I'm going to begin reading. Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay. You've set my feet upon the rock. And now I know. I love you. I need you. Though my world may fail, I will never let you go. My Savior, my closest friend, I will worship you. Do you sing? I mean, I know some of you probably know that song. But then can you honestly sing those words and mean it? That if the world around you fails, will you still not let go of God? Because that's the acid test. One of the 
the acid test of, of our love for God is when trials come our way. Like I told Jackie earlier, I don't like I don't like being in the test. I don't like being in a trial. I love to talk about people in the trial, but I don't like it when I'm in there. Yeah, I don't. The, the acid test. Can you honestly say you love God despite of the trouble that you're going through? Despite the many prayers that, are, that seem to be unanswered. Can you still say you love God? You know, and, and that's, that's the acid test. Unfortunately, that is the acid test. That's the only way that you can really say if your faith and love for God is genuine. Now, if you have put your spouse on top of, above God, guess what God's going to do? He's going to send trials towards your marriage for that specific relationship and say, will you still love me and praise me even if I take this away? So on to our first point. God is love. God is love is in 1 John 4, 7-8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Knowing that God is love, and then you, we read 1 Corinthians 13, and then you could just replace the word love by God. God is patient. God is kind. God does not keep records of wrongs. Correct? And doesn't that, doesn't that make you happy? Doesn't, doesn't that amaze you that God, our God, the real God, constantly, endlessly loves us? And it's saying here that whoever has been born of God, we have to be loving. Let us love one another for love is from God. The world has many problems. Do we agree? We have the coronavirus now, right? For the locals, it's Bud Light virus, I heard. In any of them, I should have not used that, I'm a pastor now. Any of them truly understanding, the world has so many problems, I'm sorry. The world has so many problems, and the one main problem that we have is that we don't know what love is. And at the same time, unfortunately, we don't know who God is. Who he really is. And unfortunately, I want to say this with, with all love for, for, for all of us. is Unfortunately, even believers, we have forgotten who God truly is. Because we have swung our minds and our hearts to everything in the lives of the world. We don't say we love God if we're not successful. If we're broke. We find it hard to love God. We find it hard... To, to depend on God when we're broke, when we don't have a loved one. Because I find it that if we're single, we don't feel love, right? And we find, our, we find the need for somebody to, to, to love us so that they validate us as a person. And, and, and it's not necessarily true. And then we crumble when we're alone. And we... When we say, oh, wait, Jesus loves you. Who cares about that? I want a real person to love me right now. In John 4, 15 to 18, this is an example of a person looking for love in people. 
and have constantly failed. It's the woman in the well. Let me read it real quick. The woman said to him, speaking to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. This is after Jesus said, who, He who drinks the water from me, the living water, will not be thirsty. And then she said, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. The woman in the well had no clue that she will meet the Lord Jesus that day on her way to get water. She had no clue that somebody, a Jew person, will finally talk to her, a Samaritan. And she also did not have a clue that Jesus was going to expose her sin. What the woman in the well was experiencing in her whole life was she was looking for love in all the wrong places, correct? And now she probably in her own mind, you know what? I'm not going to marry. It's too expensive. Insurance is crazy when you're married. It's better if you're single. <laughs> so I'm just going to live in. We're going to live together. <laughs> I know it's not there. <laughs> but she probably thought this is a better idea. Maybe I shouldn't marry anymore. It's the same thing. It's just paper. You know, plus we can save money from that wedding. You know how these Jewish people drink. They drink all day. But then Jesus told her. Jesus was basically exposing her sin. Go call your husband. That's her first thing. That was the focus of Jesus. You have been looking for love from men. And they have not been returning. They have not been quenching that thirst from that you have. Do we all agree that everything in the world that we thought was going to quench our thirst, we end up being like what? Being like Jacob. You know when Jacob got married, he thought he married Rachel. Right? Because it was so dark. He was too drunk. He slept and he said, oh, Rachel, I love you. Only for him to wake up and see Leah. It's like, what in the world? You're not the one I wanted to marry. We, we, we think, we sleep with what the world gives us. We fall in love with what the world tells us. That thing that we think is going to give us that, that satisfaction. And then we find ourselves wanting. We still find ourselves wanting. I thought this was going to satisfy. I thought this was going to quench my thirst. I thought this was going to make me happy. One thing that really is a problem is that love part. And it could not be necessarily with a person. It could be your love for success. It could be your love for traveling. It could be your love for your spouse that you've put ahead of Jesus. And guess what? They will always fail you. Because you always fail them too. If we're all going to be honest, the love of man is nothing compared to the love of God. But what do we do with God's love? We take it for granted. Now what is the proof on our second point? Proof of God's love. And the second point here is in Romans 5.8. I guess this whole series we've been talking about this verse. Right? But God proves His own love for us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now I'm always bewildered by this truth. It's so different from the world. Human love needs something in return. Right? They need to be, they need to have given us a nice Christmas gift. Right? When we say, when we say we love them because, oh, you know what? They've done so many things for me, for my family. That's why I love them. There's always a benefit. That's why we love a person. That's why God's love is so different. He proved his love for us while we were his enemies, while we were sinners. He gave himself for us. Now, do you remember the movie Notting Hill? Some of you probably have seen it, right? There's this, this scene where um, William, which is Hugh Grant, and then Anna, which is Julia Roberts, when, when she finally asked him to like go with her to L.A., to Hollywood. And the exchange was so nice, you know. But William, the guy, the, the little town guy, the not superstar guy, you know, he was denied. Anna, Anna Scott denied being with him. Because a reporter asked, who's that guy with you? Oh, he's nobody. So he got hurt. You know, he got hurt. So now Anna is changing her ways. Now Anna wants her. She goes, he wants him like, come, can you come with me? And this, this is his response. The thing is, with you, I'm in real danger. It seems like a perfect situation. Apart, apart from your foul temper, but my relatively inexperienced heart, I fear I would not recover if I was once cast aside again. There are just too many pictures of you, too many films. You'd go and I'd be buggered, basically. And he said, I live in Notting Hill. You live in Beverly Hills. Everyone in the world knows who you are. My mother has a trouble remembering me, he said. And then, and then Aunt Anna Scott said, you know, I'm just a girl asking a boy to love her. Now, the difference there is God never denies us. It's actually us that denies God every now and then, whether by our, our non-verbal affirmation saying we're Christians. We don't tell, we make sure that people don't know we're Christians so we can act the way we act at work, which is not Christianese, right? Not so Christ-like. So we make sure they don't know it. Or we say we, we're Christians, but then we don't act like Christians. We're the ones who deny God with our actions, with our words. But then, God continues to love us. Like, like, how about this movie, The Fisher King in 1991? I don't know if you guys remember it. It's not a popular movie. But this is where Robin Williams, um, Amanda Plummer, plays this really klutzy, mousy wallflower who has no friends. Robin Williams takes her out. And at the end of the day, he takes her in and says, I want to talk to you. And she says, no, no. If you, if you got to know me, you would not like me. I am tired of rejection. It was nice to go out, but everyone who gets to know me doesn't like me, so thanks. And then Robin Williams says, I do know you. I know that you think you are awkward. I know that you think you are clumsy. I know that you think that you are clumsy, but I want you to know that, <laughs> excuse me, that I know who you are and I love you. 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And she looks at him as if she's looking into the heart of what she thought was an enemy. And she sees there, and there's understanding. And she says, are you real? This is a miracle that you love me. This is where a Christian, there's a saying, here's the way you can tell whether a Christian, whether a person is a Christian or just a moral person. A Christian or a religious person. A real Christian is a person who says, it is an absolute miracle that God loves me. That's a real Christian. Because there's a humility there. There's real self-reflection there. There's an understanding there that we can never amount to somebody that God can love. That's a real Christian. Do we agree? That God loving us is a miracle in itself. This is actually an acid test. Let me just lay it on you here and at the end. There are two kinds of people that go to church. There's religious people and real Christians. And the way you can tell the difference is that a real Christian is somebody who sees everything. Who sees everything that comes as a gift. In other words, a real Christian sees that you are totally in debt to God. But a religious person is someone who is working hard and making an effort in trying to, to be good. Going to Bible studies and saying no everywhere. And denying themselves of a lot of pleasures and so forth. And a religious person is someone who is trying to put God in their debt. I'm doing all this, God, so you owe me. You need to answer my prayer. You need to give me that person. You need to give me that promotion. You need to give me that house. A religious person is someone who is trying to save themselves through their good works. A religious person is somebody who thinks they are putting God in their debt since they have tried so hard. A Christian is somebody who sees themselves as in God's debt. We are indebted in God. If you're a Christian, you have a spirit of wonder that permeates your life. You're always saying how miraculous, how unreal. You're always at yourself saying, me, a Christian? <laughs> Crazy. It's unbelievable. It's a joke. You can laugh at yourself. That's a real Christian. Because you have a real honest-to-goodness reflection of who you truly are apart from Christ. And the fact that God, the perfect God, can love you perfectly no matter how imperfect you are. That's a real Christian. But a person who is trying to put God in their debt, there is none of that spirit of wonder at all. Because they think they deserve it. Well, of course. Have you seen my church attendance? I'm always on time. And I'm never absent. Have you seen my offering? You see how many zeros are in there? You're welcome. <laughs> That's a religious person. How about this? Um, when you show up to get your paycheck, I'm assuming that most of you work here, right? <laughs> You work hard for your money. Most of you work hard for your money. Some of you probably just sit down like me. When you show up for your paycheck, do you say, Ah, behold, you've paid me. You've given me money. Oh, are you real? Do you question why your employer is paying you? Of course not. You work for that. Right? 
You gave, you sacrificed your time with your family to be at that work. So you deserve that money, right? Now, you don't do that because they paid you because you work for it. Now, if you ask a religious person who does not understand the grace of God, you say, are you a Christian? And they say, of course I am a Christian. I have always been a Christian. Sure, I am a Christian. My friends, my friends, if you're a Christian, there is no sure. There's no sure about it. And there is no of course about it. There's no arrogance behind but all humility. If people, if people say, are you a Christian? You say, I am. Praise God. Because God loves me. But I don't deserve His grace. My brother is nicer than me, but God saved me. I don't understand. I'm the worst of the four. That's a real Christian. That's a person that truly understood what it took Christ for us. That's the person who truly understood what God's love is. Now, folks, are you a Christian? Who says, of course? <laughs> that means you just weren't listening. <laughs> On the third point, third point, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We're still talking about God's love. <coughs> Excuse me. There you go. It's simple enough, right? If you love God, you will keep His commandments. If you love your spouse, when you married your spouse, did you actually sign? Because I know I did. I read that thing. There is no, there's no cheating. You can't sleep with other women, George. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll try that. I'll try my best. Did you say that? It's actually not there. The, the priest or the pastor does not ask you that. Oh, Joe, are you here ready to marry Anna? Are you sure you're not going to sleep with other women? Right? They might as well do it because most of the divorce that happens is, is because of unfaithfulness. But those are things that are not asked. It's not asked anymore, but it's a given. Do we agree? For those of you who are married and those of you who plan to marry, when you say yes or when you said yes, you actually said no to the millions of women <laughs> that will probably don't want you anyway, but let's just say that they would. When you said yes to your spouse, you said no to the others. So there's no cheating, Christians. There's no cheating. You said no, wife, to your husband. They said no to the millions of guys that are out there. It's your fault. <laughs> Couldn't wait for God's best. <laughs> no, but when we love a person, we do it wholeheartedly, correct? That we do what they ask us to do. And the things that they're not supposed to even ask about, it's a given. You have to remain faithful to me. You have to constantly remind me that you love me. You have to read that five languages of love because you're not doing any of them. Right? We try. We have to try to nurture. We have to nurture that relationship. Now, in regards to God, it's simple. But if you love God, you keep His commandments. And somebody say amen. I know it's easier said than done. It is. Right? Even coming to church. 
especially in this town. You know, I think we had spring last week, right? It was spring, Monday to Friday. And then all of a sudden, it's winter again, Saturday, Sunday, snows down. Like, what in the world? I just brought my shorts out. That's <laughs> snowing again. But it's maturity, though. Because if you're a mature person, you know it's March, and you know it's still winter, correct? Yes, that's a mature person. Now, I said mature, not old, because some old people are not mature. That's a mature person, a person who knows it's March, it's winter, it could possibly snow outside. And when snow drops, you're like, huh, of course, it's winter. But see, a Christian who's mature will not even ask the question, why would I keep God's commands? And the, the problem here is we don't want to mature. We don't want to grow. We want to stay in God's grace. We just enjoy God's grace. God loves me. God loves me. I'm saved by grace. Why would I have to go to church all the time? I mean, I can, I can worship Him here. I can worship Him in my car. That's true. You can worship God anywhere. But why can't you worship God at the appointed time, at the appointed place? Why not? Because you made other things more important. If we're going to be honest. Correct? If we're going to be honest, sometimes, unfortunately, we make other things more important than loving God. Now, what is God's commandments? What are God's commandments? And God simplified it, right? From one command in the, in the garden, do not eat of that fruit. And, you know, we failed there, right? Eve failed first. Let's just, let's just, let's just be honest here. Eve failed first. She was deceived by the enemy, right? And the deception was this. She wants to be like God, to know what good and evil is. Adam wasn't deceived. Adam's problem was because he loved Eve above God. Men, when you love your wife above God, they will bring you in trouble. They will get you in trouble. And vice versa. Women, if you love your husband above God, they will bring you in trouble. I mean, who can blame Adam though? Right? Who can blame Adam? Eve was the only woman he has ever known. Right? It's not like he had many options. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Eve. Lord, can you bring me Wendy? What are we doing here? Look at this girl. She failed. Right? From, from one command, we failed. And then there's, there's 10 commandments. Then we failed. And then they made up 613 commands. You know why? I, I, I read this and I want to share it because I read. 613 commands. You know why? Because there's 613 letters in the 10 commandments. That's how crazy. That's how crazy those guys were. So they came up with 613 commands. And then Jesus simplified it, right? Jesus simplified it in Matthew. He said, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a summary of the Ten Commandments. Now, the problem is, most of the time, we love others above God. And then we love ourselves above God. Only for us to find out that we're still going to want. We're still wanting we're going to find ourselves still thirsty. 
man, I thought that promotion, I thought that money, I thought that trip was going to do it for me, but my goodness, it still didn't. I thought that relationship was going to give me the ultimate high, but my goodness, it didn't. I woke up with Leah. I thought I had Rachel. Right? There's, if, if you look at your life, if you reflect on your whole journey with the Lord, it started with love, right? It's enveloped with love. And yes, God's grace is unending. It's super grace. But we have to prove our love for Him. That's why the question here is, do we love Him? Now here's the proof, right? Everyone who believes that Jesus the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Are not burdensome. This verse shows us and proves to us by the Apostle John that for everyone who believes in Jesus and everything that Jesus is about, results in loving other believers as we profess that we love God. And, you know, because the God that we serve in itself, in His nature is love. The very nature of God is love. And it's always proven in our lives much more than what we say, what we post in our social media, what we put in our bodies as a tattoo. Our lives is the biggest proof of our love for Him if we are living an obedient life to God. And obedience to God automatically brings forth love for others. Now, if you are unloving, then you have to question, maybe I'm not loving God correctly. Because He will not bring that, there has to be that fruit of love for others. This is a, a quote by Carol Shelby. Um, because I watched Ford versus Ferrari recently and <laughs> Amazon. Like I said, everything for a Christian, two movies. What the world shows and what I think I can pick up for the teaching. This is Carol Shelby. He said this, When I was 10 years old, my pops said, Son, it's truly a lucky man who knows what he wants to do in this world because that man will never work a day in his life. What he's basically saying is if you find something that you truly love, it will not feel like work. We agree. Basketball people, the players, they say that. The musicians, they say that. The actors, they say that. I'm doing what I love. It does not even feel like work. Now look at that. Now if we keep God's commands and they are not burdensome, they don't become burdensome if we love God truly. But if there's a problem with our love for God, anything, even a simple prayer, is burdensome for you. To a point it's irritating. Why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to listen to Joe ramble for 59 minutes? <laughs> Why do I need to read the Bible? It's so old. It doesn't relate to me. And that's where you're wrong. If you read the Bible, it still relates so much in our lives. 
you know, the struggle, I was telling Vince that the struggle for me when I, when I try to, when I get ready for a preaching, when I'm preparing my message, the, the struggle for me is, is the, the illustrations. Because when I read the Bible, I'm, I understand completely what it's telling me. I know what God's revealing to me. But the difficulty is to relay it to you guys in an illustration that would possibly make it make you understand it. But our lives, if you look at your life and you truly understand who God is, everything that you're experiencing is because of His love, because of His grace. And isn't, just, isn't it just right that we return the favor? That we respond in love? Everyone knows it. That if you're doing something you love, it does not feel like work. But rather, it's a feeling of completeness. You feel complete. Just like that, that movie, Jerry Maguire, right? When, when he said, you complete me to the wife. You complete me. When we obey God and we're truly in love with God, coming to church is not a burdensome. It's actually, you enjoy it. You can't wait. Reading the Bible is like, Lord, what do you have for me today? And then speaking to Him. The God of the universe, the, the God that, in, that created galaxies over galaxies, actually wants to hear from you. Now, same goes if we are doing something for the person we love, right? When we love a person, cooking for them, serving them, it doesn't feel like work. It's not burdensome. We love to do it. It completes us. It gives us a fulfillment, a feeling of satisfaction. And we say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to do this again for you. You know, I think more so, more than, than husbands and wives, I think this is more for parents. Like when we do it for our children, when we do it for our children, right? There are certain things that I will only do for my children. Really. Like uh, like wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and it, because Alonzo is telling me that I'm hungry. Can you cook for me? 2 o'clock in the morning. Only a, re only a son can actually ask a father right to bother someone only a real love relationship can actually can that conversation actually happen and only a real love relationship can can a son actually say yeah it's okay for me to ask my dad to cook me something at two o'clock in the morning it's only real love too for a father to say you know what i'm not going to kill you right now but i will cook you that food <laughs> well how dare you wake me up at two o'clock in the morning but that's a real relationship, isn't it? That's a real relationship. For parents, for, for, for loved ones from the Philippines that come here to be away from their loved ones so that they can provide for their, for their family in the Philippines, that's love. That's real love. And it's not burdensome. We can feel the tiredness. We can feel the pain. But we say, yeah, it's okay. I'm doing it for my loved ones. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that you're understanding those, those examples because now we have to bring it to God. 
Now, if we can do that for our loved ones here, which is good, if you're doing for your spouse, good, well and good, God bless you. If you're doing for your children, well and good, God bless you. If you're doing for your parents, well and good, God bless you. But folks, can you do it for God? Can you do it for God? Do you love God that much? That you will actually make that sacrifice and it doesn't feel like sacrifice? Can you honestly say that you are living Romans 12.1 when it says, Dear friends, God is good. So I beg you to offer your bodies to Him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. And this, I love this, I love this version. It says, that's the most sensible way to serve God. So it's not just, it's sensible because it's, it's smart. That's the smart way. That's the best way to serve God. And the opposite of that is true. It's stupid if you don't serve God with your bodies as a living sacrifice. It does not make sense. You say you love God, but you're not living for Him. That does not make sense. Like a marriage, and then one, one party is cheating. That doesn't make sense with the profession that I love her. I will, I will do everything for her. But you know what? 99% of the time, because 1% I'll spend time with this girl here. Once a week. But I, you have me six days a week. I'll just, right? We'll, we'll say no. We'll say no to that relationship. We'll say, no way. That's not real love. But how come we do that for God? How come we do that with God? How come we only serve God on a Sunday? And then Monday to Saturday, we're doing our own thing. Most sensible way to serve God is to live for Him. Just as Jesus lived for the Father even to the point of death on the cross. Folks, can you love God with your entire being? Can you love God sincerely to the point that you know obeying His commandments are not a burdensome to you? It's not hard. It's not difficult. I know it's difficult. I know it's easier said than done. But you know what? It will get easier if you'll improve your love relationship with Him. If you'll understand His love for you, the things that He continues to do for you, and what He can do for you and with you, if you will only make Him your one and only. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek Him first, His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Folks, God loves us. Amen? God loves us. Jesus loves us to the point of death on the cross. What we need to do is to completely understand that wholeheartedly. And that if we, something in our heart says, I love you, God, for doing that for me, we know what He's been asking us and we haven't been giving Him. There are certain relationships that you need to give up. There are certain relationships you need, that you need to correct. There are certain things that you need to stop doing. There are certain things that you need to start doing. Now, that is you and your relationship with Him. That's you between you and God. And we all have something to give up for God. We all have something to do for God. And we should do it without 
a doubt. And it shouldn't be burdensome because He loves us. And then we love Him in return. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for Your message of Your love for us. It is unending. And You continue to show it to us. You continue to prove to us. Not just by Your affirming words on the Bible, but also with the things that we experience in our lives, Lord God. The blessings that You continue to give us. Our health. Our family. Our church. All your promises, Lord God, that you continue to give us, Father, we thank you. There is nothing that we can do, Father God, to, to match your love for us. There is, our little minds, Lord God, cannot wrap and make sense of how truly great you are and loving you are to us. All we can do, Father, is ask for your help. My prayer, Lord God, for all your people tonight, Lord God, is that you will fill their hearts with your love and open their minds, Lord God, to truly comprehend that and to understand it. To give them the desire, Lord, to learn more about you, to pray to you, to read your word, and to serve you with their bodies and their lives, Lord. Forgive us, Father, for the times that we have failed you. Lord, help us to give up those relationships or that relationship that you've been asking us to give up. Help us, Father, to obey you. For us to stop doing that certain thing that's just displeasing to you and is not giving you glory. Father, we know that by your Holy Spirit, we can do all things. The Holy Spirit that is in us. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.